origins of the stag party can be traced back to ancient Greece. On the eve of a soldier's wedding, Spartan men would feast and celebrate the last night of their brother's youth. Well, I've got the Weatherfield Spartans agreed to a curry at speed, darling. Uh, hey, you're more than welcome to join us. <laughs> Aww, he'd love to. Uh, oh, great. All right, see you in a bit. Wouldn't miss it for the world. The talk of the street. 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 Hello and welcome to episode 153 of the Talk of the Street, an unofficial Cornish and Street catch-up podcast where every day is like a Kev's eyebrows and tash tag do. Rose, I'm Gavin. I scheduled my first haircut in over a year. Oh, you did? Yeah. <laughs> When's that happening? On Friday. So that yeah. will like be exactly two weeks after after my second job, so right. I should be good to be that close to uh, to Harmony. Mm-hmm. Harmony is your hairdresser? Yes. Okay, so that's... Harmony yes. with a capital H. Yes. Harmony will be doing my hair. Her husband will be doing my brows. So. Oh. A family affair. Yeah. Yeah. They they play they play trivia against us. Well they used to. Back back when we used to go to trivia when that used to be a thing. Fourteen months ago. I crazy. What are you getting done? Well, Get my brows shaped, and then I'm getting most of this lopped off. Most of it, I think. Mm-hmm. You know, it's been fun to have long hair again, but I don't know. It just doesn't feel like it's really me. Yeah. You kind of like it, though, don't you? That length? No. No. No, I don't think I've ever said that, have I? No. <laughs> no, I don't like the long hair. Sorry, I guess I just make assumptions about men and long hair. <laughs> I don't know why I should do that. I I know you better. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I, I won't be. I won't be sad to see it go. Yeah, you don't like bangs. That's the only thing. No, some foreheads, uh, fine. Some other foreheads, you want to be shown that off. <laughs> so what you're saying is I have a nice forehead. And the roundabout way. That's exactly what I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I get my my second jag this coming Friday. I don't even know if my barber's open anymore. I think he is. Is he? I don't know. <laughs> you think he is? You don't know. I don't know for sure, but I I haven't seen. You know, typically when a when a business on Main Street goes under. Oh, I don't know if he's gone under. I don't think he needs the money from what he does. Well, no, that's true. Lord knows he can't be making tens of thousands of dollars a month from cutting Eaton Rapids hair. Yeah. And I mean, you do you do okay doing your own. I think it's just been, it's been kind of scrawny. Yeah. For more than a year, so I think yeah. I'm kind of used to it now. Yep. And the bits that I miss, I think I might be picking up every now and again at the back. <laughs> so. Yeah. So now I just have to schedule uh tattoo time and then i'll i'll be back to <laughs> i'll feel like i'm i'm back to back to normal mm-hmm. in 
getting things done to my body. Oh. <laughs> what tattoo ideas do you have? Uh, well, I have a whole Pinterest board <laughs> of my tattoo serious. ideas. Mm-hmm. So I've got I've got lots of things down the pike. I think. Do you remember that um, that Princess Leia one that I was looking at? You know that you liked as well. The one where she's doing kind of the Rosie the Riveter thing. Oh right. Yeah. Yeah, I'm never sure about getting other people's faces on my body. Well, this one is good because it's not really her face. You know, her lips are there, but not like her face. Face. It's really abstract, but you know, it's Princess Leia because she's got the cinnamon buns. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking instead of like words or something on the on her on her arm, just have like a band aid. And that'll be my reminder of the pandemic. Oh, you like to forget? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, I do like getting tattooed. Yes. It's the sort of thing where you're, while you're getting your tattoo done, you're kind of thinking about your next tattoo. <laughs> That's kind of how I go. But like, That's why I'm I have not, a whole board. I'm not exactly covered in them. No. I've got one, two, four. Yes. So, and I have three. So I have plenty of room. Yes. <laughs> I think. I think if I'd thought this one through, like my uh, my Scottish flag thing, uh, I'd have had something that could have had, like some kind of Celtic band thing going round about it, uh-huh. or whatever. But I, I don't think it would fit anymore. Hmm. I don't think it goes. So, yeah. It's good getting tattoos. It's fun. Yeah, yeah. I'm thinking of a, a band tattoo at some point um, with uh, the, the musical score of, of one of my favourite songs. I don't know, my own. Battery by Metallica? No. Right. No. 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 Corner of the Sky from the musical Pippin. <laughs> sure. It's a song that means an awful lot to me, so, yeah. you know, and has since I was... You know, in middle school, so, you know, so there's that. I have a couple of um, quotes and a Bible verse that I kind of think I want to have, you know, down by my cross. Um, You know, many waters cannot quench love from Ecclesiastes. And then uh, I've got an idea for like a Madeline Langle quote at some point somewhere. So these days you have to think. Can this be cancelled? I think, I think Madeline Langle and Princess Leia are safe. Yeah, well, we thought that about T.J. Miller. That's all I'm saying. I was never going to get a T.J. Miller <laughs> tattoo. You weren't? No. You surprised me. Hmm. No, all of the, all of the people I would want are are fictitious. So, right. You know. So, uh, what what would be? So you're, are you thinking of a Celtic band? No, because it won't go. What about your other arm? Yeah, I don't really have anything. I've got my Great Lakes on my lower arm. All right, that arm is your American arm, and that arm's your Scottish arm. Yeah, my my, <laughs> my left side is Scottish things, right. and my right side is American things. Yeah. So my left side, I have my Scottish uh, soul tire and a lion rampant on my upper arm. I have the coordinates. Of my mum's house, right? To be specific, the living room of my mum's house <laughs> uh, on my 
left lower arm right. on the inside. And then the tenants lag a T on my left calf. Right. And then I've got the... So you have nothing on your right legs. leg yet. No. So we need to do something on your right leg <laughs> right. to balance it out. But it has to be American. Yeah. And I don't drink anymore, so I'm not getting cores on there or whatever. Well, you weren't going to get cores I wasn't going to get that on anyway. Anyway, so... Well, I don't know. What's a, a, what's a book or a piece of pop culture or media that means something to you or a quote that you carry with you? That you've carried with you for many years. Don't eat yellow snow. <laughs> Which is something that is, I've lived my life by, I have to say. I haven't ever eaten yellow oh, snow. Oh dear. You get Dobby. Dobby's face tattooed on your leg. No way. <laughs> Dog's an asshole. But you love him because you are also an asshole. Uh, fun. Shall we preamble, my dear? Yes, please. Give us some of that permanent calling news. Congratulations are in order for Brooke Vincent and partner Keem Bryan as they welcome their second child this week. Their new baby boy is named Monroe S.J. Bryan. So Monroe's a nice name. Yeah, Monroe See? is nice. Yes. Excellent. Excellent name. Good, sturdy, you know, just unique enough. You know, it's a second name, but it it still kind of works as a first name. Yes, mm. not I, all of I them do. I think their oldest son's name is Max or Max, something like that. I don't know. They both have M names. Anyway, in further baby news, oh, more babies. Mm-hmm. Charlie Demello's dog Toto has given birth to a new litter of puppies. So, those puppies Yay! more than babies. Puppies are babies. They're baby dogs. So welcome to the world, Hazel, Keith, Bertha, Susan, Monty, Stella, and Daisy. Jeez. Keith. Well, I knew called you were, Keith. Yes, I knew you were going to laugh at Keith. I was just laughing at them in general that you know the names of these puppies. But of Keith, course yeah. I do. Of course I do. I was watching. Keith the dog. He's got Instagram videos of just, you know, the puppies making little puppy noises. And that was... A nice palate cleanser last night. What so breed are they? Early. Huh? What breed are they? Golden Retriever. Oh, that's right, yeah. Nice. Oh, those make good puppies. Yeah. Good dogs, too. The kind of puppies where you kind of wish there was some kind of hormone you could give them to prevent <laughs> them from growing up. Oh! It's a little cruel, I guess. But, <laughs> but they're so cute. Yes. Most puppies are cute, aren't they? Hmm. <laughs> sure. Finally, Aiden is making a comeback. What? Sorry, Johnny, not in a prison visit, but in the recording studio. Shane Ward is reportedly working on a new single with producer Stonebridge. The song is titled Crazy in Love and will be released sometime in June. And that's Corey News. Yeah, he won one of the earlier X Factors. Yeah. And that was what brought him to fame. Right. And then he was so good at singing that he became an actor. <laughs> it was good. That's, that's, that's how it typically happens, doesn't mm -hmm. it? Yeah, apparently he had an album come out in 2015 and an album in 2010. So this is uh, this is really him getting back to his first love. So mm -hmm. that's good. Yeah, they're a good voice. But these uh, these X Factor winners, they, it seems to be very rare that you find that they have a long career in that. Yeah. In that business, they do tend to go into other things. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we have Kelly Clarkson and. And uh, 
the guy that she beat who does the little sweet commercials for Dr. Pepper. Justin something. Right. And uh, what's his name? The redhead skinny guy who also ran for public office at one point. And Clay Aiken? Yes. Thank you. Has he got red hair? Yeah. Has Doesn't he? he have red hair? Clay Aiken? I don't think of him with red hair. Oh. I don't think of him very often. <laughs> but when I do... Hey, you're the one who remembered his name. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, and then uh, what's his name? What's her name? Who became a famous actress and has won an Oscar for Dreamgirls? Oh, and then horribly, her 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 mother and and nephew were were murdered in Chicago, and that was really awful. What is her name? Anyway, it's not Carrie Underwood. She's quite famous. No. Oh, though. yes. Carrie Underwood is famous, too. That's not who I'm thinking of. Ruben Studdard. What happened to him? Who knows? I think he's still making yeah, music. He beat Clay Aiken, and yet people remember Clay Aiken more than they remember uh, I was always Studdard. a fan of Ruben. He had his... Uh, he always wore shirts with his dialing code on it. <laughs> which would, which in the UK was like walking about with like 01324 on your jumper for some reason but anyway our mailbag well you interrupt me mid-flow um to tell me the name of that person our mailbag gail wrote Jennifer on Face- Hudson. there we go gail wrote on facebook if peter gets that liver transplant i hope the writers do their research it's not like getting a transplant and you're back to normal in a few weeks i hate the way that they treated tracy's kidney transplant none of the real life restrictions and medication regimes followed by the real transplant recipients happened and the no, the show doesn't really have a history of dealing with this kind of thing. Accurately. Right, or at all. Right. It's you have the thing, you get over the thing, Right. you're immediately better. Craig's OCD just jumped in my mind. Right, and uh, Carla. Her psychosis. And her transplant. Mm-hmm, and Daniel's depression. Right, and... Um, he pretended to go to Scotland for a while and came back okay-ish. And um, Jack P. Shepard's... Uh, <laughs> Epilepsy. What, David? David. Yeah. What is wrong with my brain? It needs a haircut. <laughs> this is true. Yeah, the show's not. She's not always great about picking up on these things, which yeah. we'll talk about later. And now, will podcast for coffee? They'll think there needs to be a cha-ching in there somewhere. That's why I put the last little clink at the end. That was a homage to that idea. Sure. So, close enough to Fraser without being that close to Fraser, right? Sure. <laughs> so, unfortunately, Gav forgot to put coffee on the um, shopping list this week, so we're we're drinking gas station coffee this morning. Which is purportedly for this is buying us. <laughs> So, so no fun, no fun uh, coffee cups this nope, week. Quality dairy, just quality dairy cups that I don't think we can recycle. No, <laughs> but you keep chucking them in the recycling bin anyway, and I keep taking them out and putting them in the garbage. Yeah, well, <laughs> got to give you something to do, right? <laughs> you got me the uh, the the Michigan cherry flavored. Yeah, that's typically quality what you get. dairy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Although it's been a while since I bought this coffee for you, yeah. I tend to buy it for myself in the afternoon because I do like this coffee. Mm-hmm. It's nice coffee. 
Yeah. When yeah. I go out and I buy coffee for me and sometimes for you in the afternoon, it tends to be like big bees. I don't like marks. paying six bucks for a, a latte that's just okay. <laughs> it's not that great. Anyway, thank you to somebody. They're anonymous. Mm. An anonymous buyer of coffee. They said, thank you for the podcast. I look forward to it every week. Well, somebody, you're welcome. Yes. And thank you for buying our coffees this week. Yes. Which they did by going to co-fi.com slash the talk of the street. You can go there to shout us a coffee or just to read our behind the scenes blog posts that I've started doing at the end of each episode. Ooh. Little fun facts that happen during the recording or leading up to the recording. A little (laughs) DVD extra, if you like. Look behind the scenes. Yeah. See how the sausage is made, Mm -hmm. sort of thing. And then erase it from your memory. (laughs) And now, hindsight corner. The Pseudo Soap Awards thing that I mentioned last week. It is the Snope Awards. S-N-O-P-E. It's at S-N-O-P-E Awards. And voting is open until May the 9th. So -hmm. you've still got some time. Because it's what? The 8th. May the 8th. So, yeah. There's still time. Stu and Joe from last week. Mm -hmm. You rocked my world with the information that Stu was a recurring character. Not only that... It was the same actor. Mm-hmm. And it was. Mm-hmm. There was no mention of Joe though. I don't know if it was if it was Stu and Joe back then, but Stu definitely existed and was in the show for three episodes in 2003. So they tracked down the original actor uh-huh. for a four minute cameo. Who knows? Maybe he'll come back again. <laughs> to have another dead kid? No. No, just to catch up with... Uh, Todd the prick and, you know, have a beer and talk about old times or something. I don't know. Or maybe he's also a member of Harvey's gang. Oh, no, that's interesting. <laughs> that's not really hindsight corner, though, because I told you this was the case last week. Yeah, but I didn't believe you. Oh. And now this. Welcome. Welcome to last year tonight with me, John Oliver. Just enough time to quickly talk about that's a rubbish name. That is a rubbish name. That's right. This was Nina talking to Asha and expressing her opinion of ITV Corey's name. <sighs> I was Gavin, and you were after a long pause here. <laughs> it was probably your worst intro adjective. We agreed, and it wasn't even an adjective. I was very sceptical about your new vegetable growing exploits. This is never going to happen, I predicted. But mm-hmm. it did happen. And yeah. We got some vegetables out of it. Yes, and it's happening again. Particularly tomatoes. Yes. I was not sceptical about your abilities to track down toilet paper, though. <laughs> we were in the toilet paper stage of the pandemic. Yes. You seem to be able to find it under like just rocks in the countryside <laughs> somehow. Classic Cory episodes made their way onto the ITV hub. Gary continues to be inappropriately interested in the well-being of a teenage daughter of a man he killed. David is secretly washing his torn clothes, which exhausts him to the point he misses Max's boring speech at the Community Volunteer Awards, whatever. Nina punches a young pervert and makes Asha's life feel a lot less hopeless. 
Yasmin finds herself in a spot of bother with the worst police force in the UK and is assigned a detective sergeant who has definitely woken up on the wrong side of the bed and a detective constable who serves absolutely no purpose. And this is before Craig. <laughs> Sally is a few pages ahead of Tim who fails to join the dots between Yasmin, Tim's mum and that Jocelyn Walker woman. Oliver is left to run his own bath. Our moment of the week after much debate was Nina punching that stupid little boy and our boring moment of the week was David doing laundry. And that was Coronation Street and the talk of the street this time last year. A 23-ton piece of a Chinese rocket will crash to Earth this weekend. Somewhere new, near New Zealand. Shall we dive in? <laughs> Somewhere near New Zealand? Mm-hmm. Not on Not- New Zealand, but near New Zealand. Because my friends in New Zealand were like, ah, oh, so close. <laughs> <laughs> Don't we all kind of feel like we just want a Chinese rocket till the end of us? It just ended all at this point. That's kind of where I was going with that. Yeah. Shall we dive in? <laughs> I've, never, I've never wanted to not dive in as much as I don't want to dive in today. Well, we, we've got to give the people what they want. And maybe some things they, they don't, don't want, want to hear. <laughs> Our first storyline today is you're on your Tyrone. Ugh. On Monday, Abby and Kev are getting ready to work a bank holiday, the poor little petals. Kev is still hurt from Tyrone's resignation from best man duties, which hurts all the more after Ty has forgiven him for a lot in the past. The past is the past, says Abby, and it seems the wedding is going to be on Friday. So that was something to look forward to, wasn't it, Helen? Sure. At work, Kev and Tyrone seem to make up again, but over... At work, Kevin Tyrone seem to make up again over tea, but Abby is still pissed, and when Tyrone asks if everything is okay after Abby receives a troubling call from Debbie, Abby tells him to go fuck himself in the ear with a spanner. Turns out there might be an issue with the venue, according to Debbie. And the problem is, the roof's collapsed. What? A roof yeah. collapsed on Coronation Street? I never. Gary, where were your whereabouts on the evening <laughs> in question? But Debbie is confident that it'll get fixed, like she was confident that the skyscraper would get built. The bigger problem is the venue name is on the notice of marriage, so if they change venue, it'll put the date back. This is a very fine point that is seldom recognised by any show, really. Yeah. And it's only recognised here because plot. Correct. (laughs) Meanwhile, Sally is next with bad news. She's a celebrant, and it sounds like she's Bonnie Tyler after 40 Bensons. Or Sharon. So Kev is missing a best man, the venue is falling to pieces, and now this, but not, and now this. Mm. At Lena's flat, she blames herself for Ty pulling out, but it makes her happy that he put her first. But not like that. Not like that. Leave your sandwich, she says, and come get your hole. So Tyrone has really enjoyed getting his hole, but Alina has spent that time coming to the conclusion that he should be Kev's Kev's best man after all. So I guess Ty's not really good in the sack then. Is that what we're supposed to infer from that? I think our our mind was certainly wandering. (laughs) Oh, oh, and Sally is is very keen to let us all know that she doesn't have the COVID, that she did get tested. Right. In that whole, you know, I have a sore throat, but don't worry, it's not the COVID. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm. Back at the garage, Kev is zen about the wedding plans falling apart while Abby is frantic that the universe hates her. She's just realised how important this wedding is. <clears throat> and She's just to- realised how important her own wedding is. Mm-hmm. And wants it to be perfect. Kev, a man, says that the only thing that's important is that they both say I do. <laughs> well done, Kev. 
But she sounds like an emotional woman, so Kev sends her home. Oh no, and not then, an emotional woman. And then Tyrone comes round and after a bit of bickering, agrees to be Kev's best man after all. I don't know why Kev hasn't asked him, but whatever. Right, or... Or anybody else. Or Seb. Mm-hmm. Or Steve. I don't know, I'm just throwing names out now. Kev is glad and then goes off to see if he can sort out Debbie and the venue, which he does by throwing bodies and money at the problem. And even better, Sally's getting her voice back. Everything's going to be fine, says Kev. Mm. And that's really as far as we get with that bit of the story. Yeah. <sighs> our next storyline? Is, is uh, Peter's liver? It is Peter's liver. And stupid, 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 stupidity. I don't know. It feels like it happened a year ago. Yeah, I know. On Monday, in the hospital, Peter is pretending to Carla that he wants some shut eye so she'll leave him alone so he can stare at the piece of paper that Simon left in his pocket. Mm -hmm. The dress is in Warrington. This is about 20 miles away from Manchester. Even though he's been discharged in the hospital, probably could use that bed. But no, Peter, go on. Take a nap. (laughs) Meanwhile, at the hideaway, Nick is making some nutty flakes for breakfast, which sounds like eczema of the scrotum. (laughs) I think that might be the last joke. (laughs) He stayed up all night to protect Leanne and Simon. Thanks, Nick. Simon is worried that he might have been followed, but Nick and Leanne assure him that the only people who know where they are now are the cops, and if anyone did know where they were, they'd be dead by now. Right. So that cheers everybody up. Yay! In the cabin, Adam comes in to pick up Scottish Lawyer Monthly, but Sharon tells him <laughs> that it hasn't come in yet. She asks him how Peter is doing, and this is all the prompting that Adam needs to tell Sharon that the op didn't go ahead because Ruby's liver wasn't viable. Peter got beaten up in the hospital waiting room, but he's okay and will get out today. All of this is a shame because Scottish Lawyer Monthly this month has a feature on keeping your fucking mouth shut. <laughs> I think that's the last joke. As soon as he's gone, Sharon is on the phone to the goon to tell him to follow Peter when he leaves hospital. Outside, Carla, who appears to be the only person switched on in this whole story, sees mm-hmm. a, a suspicious-looking beardy man sitting in his car in the hospital car park. While using her compact. Mm-hmm. Yeah, super spy Carla. <laughs> right. Now, she didn't see the guy last week, I don't think. Did she? No, because she was no. moving the car. And he was, and the guy was pretending to be a janitor. Mm-hmm. So she just sees a guy sitting in the car and is suspicious. Yeah. And also they're now keyed up to the fact that... Right. Yeah, because of Peter getting beat up, mm-hmm. they know that the hospital's Somebody's being watched watching, now. Right. Yeah. At the hideout, Leanne catches Simon trying to make a phone call. Seriously, is everyone so stupid in this story? They haven't... They, they threw that SIM card away without destroying it. I think this is a different phone. No, because... She orders him to eat the SIM card out of this one, pronto. Right, well, yeah, he dug it out of the garbage. Is that what he did? Yes. He digs it out of the garbage. And why did Nick keep that phone once the SIM card was out? But if, I were, if I were a member of any police force or, you know, anybody who's ever put anybody in witness protection... For any reason, I'd be quite angry at the storyline, I think. I mean, I'm I'm not, and I'm quite angry at the storyline. <laughs> I'm trying to remember if they're officially in police protection. They're not in witness protection. 
Well, because they haven't been given any new identities of that. No. And I think they're kind of gone away at basically the, the insistence of Leanne. Right, but the police know where they are. The police know they where they are. They keep saying, yep. you know, and I think the police helped them get that place, but they did not move nearly far away enough. No, it's 20 miles away. Yeah. Or 20 minutes away. 20 yeah. minutes or 20 miles. Ridiculous. It's just down the road. Right. Carla intends to keep this to herself about the guy in the in the car park until Peter announces that he has Simon's address and intends to go see him to make sure he's okay. She tells him about the thug in the car park and asks if we can agree that going to see Simon is a dreadful idea. Mm-hmm. Unless, says Peter, unless there's another way. Mm-hmm. So the two of them leave the hospital as a goon in the car phone Sharon. Adam appears, pretending to be in the need of a florist and thinking a random thug in a car is the best person to ask. Mm -hmm. But he gets a good look before confirming over the phone that the goon is in hot pursuit. Mm -hmm. The goon is a little bit disappointed, or annoyed even, that Mm -hmm. he's been interrupted like this. So Sharon is waiting on the street, on the phone to the goon, standing in the middle of the road. And she watches Peter arrive by taxi and go into the house, but there's no sign of Carla. Where did Carla go? The goon is baffled, but between them they eventually figure out that Adam was a diversion. Mm-hmm. But Carla has gone to Warrington, where she lands upon a very spooked Leanne and Simon, who were ready to bash her head in with bottles, uh, bottles and ornaments. Mm-hmm. After a quick catch-up on Peter's condition, Leanne is pissed that she's the only one taking this seriously. <laughs> Nick had his phone, Simon's handing out their address, and Carla's landing in on them. She's the only one keeping them all alive. Simon realises the scale of the situation and remarks that he's missing potatoes. And vegetables. Mm-hmm. Carla gets home and Peter's in his shawl and pleased that Simon's okay and Carla's home safe. If anything had happened to either of them, he wouldn't have been able to look at another jigsaw for days. Maybe hours. Sharon, though, has seen Carla return and gets straight on the phone to... Rita. To pitch an idea of taking Peter some flowers to show that they're thinking of them. Rita must be on the vodka tonics already because she thinks that this is a capital idea. Back in Warrington, Nick is trying to put everyone's mind at ease by telling them if Carla had been followed, they'd all be dead by now again. (laughs) (sighs) Simon is missing potatoes and Amy. Leanne worries that they'll never get home, but Nick thinks that once Harvey's been sent down, everything will be back to normal. It's funny because this whole thing seems to kind of be a metaphor for lockdown, doesn't it? Like people being shut in in their houses and having to get takeaways and stuff and not being able to go out and do much. Although I don't see why they can't get... A, take, a, a grocery takeaway. If they've got that cereal, surely they could buy potatoes and vegetables. Nutty flakes. <laughs> oh, my nutty flakes. Oof. Yeah. Well. I think it's the... Um, it's not the fact that they would go out and do these things. It's mm-hmm. the fact that they can't, which is kind of in keeping with the whole mm-hmm. lockdown right. mentality where... You weren't going to go out anyway. Right. But because somebody tells you that you can't or because right. you think that you can't, you suddenly really desperately yeah. want to go away. And we're stuck in here and there's nothing to do and blah, 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 blah. Because they haven't been away for that long. They really haven't. It's like a week. They really haven't. In showtime, it's like a week. Yeah. Yeah. And we were really kind of hoping to get a break <laughs> from from this whole storyline. Yep. So that we could focus on other storylines. Mm-hmm. Poor Cathy. Oh, well. <laughs> Oh, so, we got no Kathy this week. No. Which is fine. <laughs> so Sharon takes the flowers to number one. Peter's in bed, so she deals with Carla, and Sharon continues her tactic of being subtle by asking a million questions about Simon. Carla sends Ken another text, and when her back's turned, Sharon nicks Carla's phone and pretends to go off for a shite. 
outside the living room, she scrolls through Carla's phone and likes what she sees, choosing to cackle on the other side of the door from someone who thinks that she's gone for a shite. Shortly after, Sharon manages to return the phone and then, again not to arouse suspicion, promptly leaves. She's on the phone to the goon before number one's door shut, telling him the address that she got from Google Maps. And I was like, don't you mean Vogel Maps? Did I buy Vogel.co.uk for nothing? <laughs> Seems so. Yeah, so... Does nobody on the street put a lock on their phone? And they do, I mean, it's one, two, three, four. I mean, we have facial recognition on our phones. And I have to look at mine. thumbprint recognition on our phones. And we have codes that... It should not be this easy for her to get into this phone. I said this. And you'd think that Carla would have been smart enough to, oh, I don't know, erase the address, clear her memory on Google Maps. Given the circumstances, yeah, I don't think that's too much of a stretch to ask. No. I said this last week, that mobile phones have been the scourge of soap opera plots since they were invented. Seriously. (sighs) Anyway. So the goon gets to Warrington and I assume bursts into all the flats because Sharon didn't have a number and there's no sign of anyone. He calls Sharon to give her the good news. Next to call is Harvey, outraged that Sharon has fucked up yet again and let Simon and Leanne know that she's onto them. Get that Sam kid. Get him to get to them. And if you fuck up again, you're dead. So what tipped off Leanne and Nick? Uh, I think just this whole thing, the whole hospital thing and everything. Right. And the fact that Carla showed up on their doorstep and, you know, and Simon told Peter where they were. I think they, Leanne was finally like, all right, you guys, this is this is it. We're calling the cops. We're getting moved. That's good that no one's listened to Nick. Because <laughs> Nick's point was, we'd be dead by now. Right. So that's good that people are just discarding anything that he says. Because he's a fucking idiot in this. And most of this is his fault. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and the SIM card is down, so Sam can't get to Nick anymore. So she can't really use Sam to, you know, unless she kidnaps Sam. And then Nick is forced to come home. But how would Nick even find out that Sam is kidnapped if there's no contact? Right. I I don't know. I think they're giving too much power to Harvey who is in prison. Mm-hmm. Yes, his thugs are outside. But and he's not uh, not remotely worried about making loud phone calls from his cell. Right, yeah. <laughs> he's, got a, he's got contraband. He's got a cell phone, mm-hmm. which you're not allowed to have in prison. And he's walking around and he's using it like he's on the outside. Like, and it's like, o- like he's Mulder. Right, yeah. There's a reference. <laughs> It's just, I don't know. I just, either give Peter a liver or not. <laughs> just make up your mind. Either, 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 you know, get, let's give some space to this. Let's give some breathing room to the story. Oh, do we have to let the story breathe? Well, allowing the story to breathe, taking a step back from it. Allows other storylines and maybe, oh, I don't know, some lighter storylines to flow in and kind of take some space, give some characters we haven't really had an awful lot of, some room to breathe, 
give the audience a break with the whole doom and gloom and death and potential death and everything, you know, I, I, I hate to sound like one of those people that complain about the show on the Twitter, but they're not wrong that it's, that it's just constantly just heavy after heavy, after heavy, after heavy. And they, they need to, they need to give it some breathing room, I think, because it's just, it's, it's this particular storyline is to the point of being caricature. Oh, they've completely ruined the story. Yeah. This has been ruined. Now they've ruined be, two stories. Help. They've ruined the the drug running storyline. Mm-hmm. And they've ruined Peter's liver storyline. You know? They've ruined both. Because it's just so hokey. Poor Ruby. <laughs> Ruby's fine. <laughs> I, th- I think the, the drug running aspect of it was I think my boundary is to the the limit of credibility that this storyline had and even then it was testing it mm-hmm. because again let's, let's not forget that this really is a story about Oliver dying this is a bereavement story and right. now it's Leanne on the run Right. now it's turned into an episode of the monkeys <laughs> and that's and that's never been a good thing oh I used to love the monkeys. Oh, they used to put it on in the summer when the, the schools were off. Uh-huh. The, like the school kids would get the, the TV schedule for the mm-hmm. morning. And the monkeys would be on after Why Don't You and Before the Red Hand Gang or whatever. Mm-hmm. Oh, the monkeys were never that great. I love them. Hmm. Yeah, hey, we're the monkeys. No, I'm aware of their work. <laughs> People say we monkey around. <laughs> they played their, all their own instruments. And... Mikey wrote most of those songs. My so. mum was at David Jones's wedding. Yes. <laughs> Fun fact. He was going to be a um, jockey. Right. Before he became a famous. Or a Noompa Loompa. <laughs> he was quite. Is he dead to- now? He is dead now. Oh. He's dead and Peter's dead. Peter Talk's dead. Sadly. Love Peter. The brains of the operation though. Mikey. Mm-hmm. He's still with us, isn't Mikey he? Mikey and Michael are still alive, yes. Michael, whose whose mother invented whiteout. Oh, that, that's right. <laughs> and in another connection, <laughs> my mum used to work in an office that used whiteout, <laughs> although it was called Tipex. <laughs> Don't see whiteout very often here. I didn't think it was a thing. Well, we used to get high on it when we were at school. I think. You know, with Allegedly. technology, with technology being the way it is, oh, yeah, you don't, you don't really a, need whiteout as much as as much as you used to. This is true. We're not using typewriters anymore. I had a little. Uh, they were like band aids, little typewriter mm-hmm. whiteout things that you oh, could, yeah. you'd just stick down and. Had, yep. They were never great. No. They were never great. No. And then you had to wait for it to dry, otherwise, right. oh, it'd just be a fucking mess. Yes. And of course, we never let it dry. We never let it dry. <laughs> no. You were too busy getting high off of the fumes. High as a kite. <sighs> Try to type. Why weren't you getting high off of rubber cement like a like a normal kid? No, it was the white out and it was the white out thinner. There was a good <laughs> there was a decent high off of that. I'm not recommending any of this. No, no. Don't huff, kids. 
No huffing the fumes. That's right. No huffing the fumes. Just say no. Just say no, like Zamo said in Grange Hill. And Nancy Reagan. They met Nancy Reagan, the Grange Hill kids. Of course they did. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, anyway. I think we've postponed it as much as we possibly can. On our final storyline today. Yeah. On Monday. At Roy's role, Seb is chatting with Nina about Abby's upcoming marriage and mentions in passing that Abby once sold her mum's necklace for a bag of skank. Cool story, bro. Apparently, Abby still regrets this to this day. Nina's eyes sparkle. You got any photographs of this necklace? Nina manages to source the necklace and loves the designer who made it. And this helps Seb, who jokingly says that he knows what sort of engagement ring to buy her now. And despite this flippant remark, Roy, who's been hanging about cleaning tables, goes off looking very troubled by this. Right, yeah, this thing that was obviously a joke, mm-hmm. well, <laughs> which Nina says, "Haha, very funny." Right, immediately. Roy's maybe not the best at detecting sarcasm. He's, he's, he's constantly humor. telling us that you know he's no expert in love. <laughs> he's no expert in relationships. He's constantly telling us that mm-hmm. before giving relationship advice. Right. Asha has made ITV Corey lunch and done a load of washing while he's lounging about on the sofa playing video games. He's unappreciative of anything that she seems to have done and wants to have a party. She's less keen and he mocks her for wanting to just sit around watching box sets. Do what you like, she snaps, and she leaves him to it. Later, Nina has gone off to conduct some industrial espionage at Speeddal, which gives Roy some time with Seb to air his concerns. He avoids interference in Nina's life, he says, but he's worried that Seb is getting ahead of himself and urges patience so that he doesn't make the same mistakes that Asha did. It's Speeddal. ITV Corey has uh, sent a group chat to his mates. He claims, but only Kelly the Chin has shown up, and she's, she's surprised but secretly pleased that there's no Asha there. The two of them flirt while Nina, still there on that spying mission, watches and listens on. Later, ITV Corey has been joined by a boy with a bowl cut. And Summer. Eli. Is that Eli? Because mm-hmm. I've called him Bullcut all the way through this. Yeah, his name is Eli, and apparently, out of the blue, Summer has a crush on him, and right. he has a thing for Summer. Right. Out of the blue, just introduced, and no, no build up, no, no effort put into this at all. No, Eli is chuffed for some other company because ITV Corey and Kelly the Chin have been practically getting their hold of each other at speed now. Eli and ITV Corey head out for a smoke, leaving the girls... Well, safely socially distanced. (laughs) Let's just take it as read that everyone is safely socially distanced throughout the rest of this. Right, yeah. But it's just, it's kind of funny for him to be saying, oh, they're practically doing it right here when they're six feet apart. Mm -hmm. So they head out for a smoke, leaving the girls to chat about boys. Summer really likes Eli. For Why? And it's clear that Kelly the Chin and ITV Corey have something going on too. Well, <laughs> Kelly the Chin says it's all him. And when Summer brings up Asha, Kelly the Chin points out, well, Asha isn't here. Summer looks concerned. Possibly Even though Asha because is my friend and I've already, you know, I've, I've already done something really horrible to her once and she forgave me and we made up. But, you know, we're going to tread this path again because because plot, because reasons. Summer looks concerned, possibly because she's the only one in this scene without a nickname. <laughs> Meanwhile, Asha has gone to Roy's Rolls, where Nina asks after her and ITV Corey and how she saw him with Kelly the Chin at Speeddal all cosy together like. 
Asha thinks Nina is just stirring things. Nina is the one who hurt her, not ITV Corey, she says. And then she storms off. Yes, no, no, ITV Corey never hurt you. He never, you know, secretly recorded you nude. No, um, that never happened. He has been manipulative and exploitative of her since we've known him. Yeah. And she has known this and broken up with him for it. Because of it. You know. Yeah. And and yet, for some reason, we're expected to believe that she keeps going back. It's speed dial. The gang are ripping the piss out of Asha. And when Summer sticks up for her, Kelly the Chin takes her to one side and tells her to stop being such a fucking wet bank holiday and grow up if she wants to get her hole off the guy that would bulk up. Eli. Nina, meanwhile, is asking Roy's advice about helping Asha. Can't help no motherfucker if motherfucker don't want no help, says Roy. <laughs> Best stay out of other people's business. Truth, says Nina, but she can't help caring. Right. Seb comes back from necklace shopping to Roy's rolls and after his chat with Roy, is worried that they're moving too fast and maybe he should move back out. Nina's shocked and off her mind to just dump him. What have I said that's given you the impression that I think we're moving too fast, she says. You haven't, says Seb. Somebody else has. And then he totally throws Roy under the bus. <laughs> So Nina confronts Roy with this. What happened to minding your own business? Ah, he says. And he apologises but quotes her back. He can't help caring. Mm-hmm. This just feels right, says Nina. And Seb agrees. And Roy makes a wee heart sign with his thumbs and fingers and says, you guys. And only 35% of that paragraph actually happened. Yes. Yes. And Nina completely forgets this advice about maybe leaving well enough alone and minding your own business. <laughs> yeah. Home alone, Asha seems to have plucked up the courage to call ITV Corey to ask him when he's coming home and ask who he's with. He's rude and dismissive of her and tells her to stay put when she suggests meeting up with him. He hangs up on her and she's now left thinking that Nina might have been right after all. Kale surprise. Right. Wednesday and Friday are the one storyline. Mm-hmm. But rather than jumping about from scene to scene, I've tried to like put things that belong together together. So we'll see how good a job of that I've done. Hmm. Sally has been asked by Abby to come round on the lunch break to help. It turns out it's Abby's vows that she needs help with, and it turns out that she's only written the word Kevin. <laughs> Sally, quite understandably, doesn't want to nobody write someone else's this, vows for her ex-husband. <coughs> nobody on this, no woman on the street seems to be able to write vows. Because let's not forget how how hard it was for Carla a few weeks ago to write vows, even though Roy gave her a poem. <laughs> How bad must that poem have been? <laughs> Did it start with roses are red? I think it might have. So leaves Abby to it. In Roy's roles, Roy is boring everyone with the Greek origin of stagnites. Kev calls his group of pals the Weatherfield Spartans, which made me think of her unacknowledged Tyrone t-shirt, and invites Roy along. Seb is there texting some shops about sourcing the necklace and has located a place in York. Ed luckily has given them the loan of a van because no one needs anything built today. So Seb invites Nina along and excitedly she agrees to the road trip. But sadly Nina can't make it as she has to stay and help Roy. Abby sees Seb in his van and asks him to help with the vows. He says he can't because of reasons and she reacts badly to this, calling him selfish. Mm -hmm. Later, Nina goes to set Abby straight that Seb is on a secret mission to get something to make her day super special. Yes. Meanwhile, Asha joins Amy to study French, but her mind is elsewhere. ITV Corey came home late last night and when Amy presses her for more details, she quickly hurries off, claiming that she needs to be studying maths instead. Mm. And by maths, she means stinking lousy boyfriends. 
So Asha goes home and when ITV Corey comes back, she asks him where he was last night and he just says out with mates and doesn't see what the big fucking deal is and when she asks about Kelly the Chin, he quickly leaves claiming that he has training. So she follows him out the flat to find that guy with the bowl cut and Kelly the Chin standing at a Volkswagen Golf, I think. It's a red car. It's a red car. Eli's got some cans in the back, so ITV Corey, him, Kelly the Chin, Summer and reluctantly Asha all get in. Summer for some reason. <laughs> and they speed off to have an adventure. Eli secretly telling ITV Corey that the wheels are hot. Mm. So while all this is going on, Tyrone has managed to purloin two carrier bags full of enthusiasm for the stag do. So he and Tim circumnavigate Abbey and go to hide the bags and their mysterious contents at Speednal. And Roy's rolls, Abbey's using the earlier misunderstanding to help write her vows, something about being quick to judge. Right. And when Seb comes in, she realises how special he is. And so she asks him to give her away. She can't believe that she didn't ask this already. Mm-hmm. And nor can I. No. He gives her the necklace and she's so touched that she's crying. And Seb and Dina go off for a walk to a warehouse where he has to return some keys or something. I couldn't quite follow what that was about. Outside, he borrowed uh, <clears throat> Ed's van. Right. So he's returning it to this warehouse that's in the middle of nowhere? Or the keys for it? I, I can't. I I don't know. I kind of... Right, see, I'm confused Yeah, he well. parked the van, but he still needed to drop the keys off. Right, by that I thought you meant drop the keys off at the at his builder's house yard or the builder's yard. Right, but so it I was off on this little mission. No, 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 no. That Nina says to him, Nina suggests they go parking. You know, if you if you've still got the keys, let's take the van out and go parking over by the industrial. No, because they're walking home. No, they were walking back to the van mm. or something. There was something. Like, after that, do you want to take a walk down and canoodle and... So outside, they chat adorably about moon landings, and she calls him Sebastian Franklington, and it's all just very lovely and warm. Later, Kev arrives at Speednall to find that Tyrone, Tim, and kind of Roy have dressed up as him. Rosie! Shouts Ty. Sophie! Shouts Tim, and Roy's struggling with the moustache and just says Sally. Then Dev comes in (laughs) with a reindeer costume that's supposed to be a stag, and no one's quite sure what Dev's doing. (laughs) Not even death. That was hilarious. Ty does a really, really good Kev impression. Yeah, and then and then uh, Roy explains that reindeer aren't stags; they're um, caribou. Mm-hmm. The, which is great knowledge to have. Yeah, thanks, See? Roy. We're learning stuff. I did think that Kev's not had a moustache for fucking ever. Well, he's got a moustache now, but he's also got the beard to go but with it. But they had photographs of him as a younger man, uh-huh. where he most certainly did have a moustache. <laughs> so that kind of explained that. I thought that was hilarious. So after the initial hilarity, though, the stags wonder what the hens will be getting up to. It won't be a patch in our night, says Tim, but it seems that apart from fake moustaches and denim jackets and a reindeer, the stags don't have an awful lot going on. The hens, though, are having a fucking ball at the bistro, telling mucky stories, and Debbie is looking a little bit like something about Mary. If, <laughs> you, know you know what, what I mean. mean. Abby gives a speech talking about the miracle of standing here today, and she thanks Sally in particular for everything, which I thought was lovely. Yeah, Gemma has brought like a card game with like mm-hmm. mucky questions on it. Right. And I loved how we don't really hear what, well, we don't hear what the question is. Right. And we don't hear what 
eighty-five percent of the Debbie's was. answer was, but just that. We, well, we that's not enough. how we do it in England, or what it was, right. whatever it was. But I'm pumped. Right, but the laughter that was coming out of them, yeah, kind of made me think that there really was a full story there that yes. we're just not privy to. That was great. Yes. Uh, meanwhile, Eli has taken the gang to a bit of waste ground to get wired into the tins, and it comes out to everyone that the car is stolen. Asha and Summer are shocked, but Kelly Chin isn't because she's so street and she calls them all square. Asha accuses her of batting her manky <sighs> lashes at her boyfriend and advises that she gets a bloke of her own, which shuts Kelly the Chin up. ITV Corey, though, is sick of all this jealousy and thinks that they should see other people. Asha leaves in a huff, but Summer sticks around because Eli's hair is slipping further and further down his face <laughs> and she's curious to see how that's going to turn out. <laughs> Back on the street, Amy sees Asha looking sad and invites her back to the house for tea and lovely biscuits to cheer mm-hmm. her up. Yes. So let's all remember. Let's all remember for the rest of the night, Asha is with Amy mm-hmm. at Amy's house. Let's all remember that. Right. Yes. Yes, because that might be an important aspect of a storyline that someone else is trying to tell someone. Right. Yes. That all the eyes aren't dotted and all the T's aren't, aren't crossed. crossed. And this is Amy and Addie's detective work yes (laughs) at the warehouse thing Seb has noticed that he's a much better character now when he's around Nina and he has a surprise for her he gets down on one knee and presents her with what I would call a candy ring pop well it's it's just like it's just like a like a you know 25 cent you know machine costume ring I don't think it's actually a ring pop because a ring pop would have like a big bulbous thing and it's just like a little plastic pink ring with like a heart on it it looked like candy that's what i thought it was is that as married now she asks and she says that she'll treasure it forever he's supposed to be at the stag do but they decide to walk home the longer way down by the canal and on their way they bump into the twat gang who are now having fun by throwing stones at things nina sees the boys plying the girls with booze and suggests that she and seb hang about for a bit keep summer and kelly the chin company something that doesn't go down well Hmm. And Eli is asking Nina about her piercings and generally being a shitbag. Summer has had enough of the snidness against Nina, but instead of saying something, she grabs her coat and heads home. Well, she said something to Kelly the Chin. Right. Nina asks where Summer has gone and suggests that Kelly the Chin comes along too, comes along home with her. Mm-hmm. The boys wind Kelly the Chin up. You're not going to let her speak to you like that. You're not a kid. And they encourage her, particularly ITV Corey encourages her, to smack Nina. So she slaps her. Nina and Seb quickly leave and ITV Corey seems to sense a weakness and an opportunity for revenge mm. so encourages the gang including a couple of actors in non-speaking roles yeah. to follow on Yeah, and it seems that Nina and Seb have lost the gang but they soon appear again behind them at the side of the canal they continue to shout abuse at Seb and Nina calling them freaks, weirdos calling Nina a corpse bride Nina suggests that they just keep on walking ignore it because Seb mm-hmm. wants to run and she's like if we run they're going to chase right. so just, just keep on walking Right, walk fast right and Seb pulls out his phone. Looks like he's about to call the police, but he's not. He's calling Abby and he leaves a message on Abby's phone mm-hmm. just as the gang attack, kicking Seb to the ground and chasing after Nina. And they're all involved. It seems by, you don't see who's doing anything, but you see their feet and it looks like everyone's involved. Right. Because you see Kelly Chin's white trainers. So she's definitely involved in it. it yeah. you. And it's it's really... I have to say this 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 part was really well done and I'm actually kind of grateful to COVID with the way that they had to do this. Right. 
because if it weren't for COVID, this could have potentially been much more, much more graphic. And I think the way that it's done with the, with seeing the feet run by and then the ring kind of dropping to the ground and you lingering on the ring while mm-hmm. you hear shouting in the background, right. I think was very, very well done. Yeah. It conveys what's going on without, I was going to say beating you over the head with it. I don't know what you mean. But, you know, and and so be, because of COVID, they had to do it that way. And I think that's that's the way it should be done. Right. Yeah, it was one of those things where <clears throat> I think your, your, your brain fills in a lot of the blanks for you. Right. You know, it's like the... You go and see a horror movie and you think that you see the, the monster and you don't see the monster, mm-hmm. but your brain kind of fills in the fills blank. It, fills it in for you. There was kind of, there was aspects of that. I tend to not, uh, I don't go searching for spoilers. I know that you do in your uh, ace reporter of Corey News role. Right. So you see spoilers an, yeah. lot, an awful lot more than yeah. I do. I don't, I don't seek them out, but. You happen upon them. Th- yes. It was impossible not to happen upon this Last week, last yeah. week we knew that something like this was going to happen, right? And really, the show was as bad as anyone for spoiling it, right? By uh, releasing photographs and by uh, by tweeting about it and by posting social media about it, so it was impossible to right. ignore that this was going to happen, which we'll talk about later. And I really didn't want to watch this. No, it was I put it off. And I put it off, mm-hmm. and I had this horrible feeling in my gut as I'm watching it. Mm. But so yeah, the phone and the ring pop lie on the ground in front of Seb, and there's no redemption for any of them. But no. there's particularly no redemption for Kelly the Chin here. No, as, and I'm picking on her because they they made her they made her likable, right, and uh, vulnerable. Just like a couple of weeks ago. Right. And and again, you know, this was, we complained about this last week, is that every week, Kelly the Chin has a new personality. Right. She keeps flip-flopping and, you know, one week she's one way and one week she's another way. And we think that she's finally getting some redemption and stuff. And then she completely changes again and... I guess I can understand why they're doing that because they kind of, I feel like they kind of need to have a somewhat likable character in this gang. Mm-hmm. And for the most part, they're anonymous. Right. Yeah. And, Eli may as well not have a name. Right. The other and, characters don't. Right. And Corey is the leader of this. Corey is the instigator of this. Were people kind of making fun of Nina? And not even really, you know, asking her about her piercings. But the whole chasing and stuff, that's all down to Corey. Everybody was laughing and then going back to their drinks. And then all of a sudden he's like, hey, let's go follow them. It was his idea. He was the one who did it because he hates Nina. Mm -hmm. He's intimidated by Nina. Yep. Not just because Nina was with Asha for a time, but because Nina is Asha's friend, because Nina is a woman who sticks up for herself. Yep. And if his dad is anything to go by, this is not something that he is used to in his life. Right. 
So it's just, and the whole summer, even being there, even for a short period of time, just, and, and all of a sudden dropping her in some sort of like flirtation with this, with this bad boy. Mm -hmm. It doesn't really make sense. (laughs) But again, I think they kind of need, they need a reason for Nina to stick around. Yeah, and you know, because protect Nina, somebody who's vulnerable, which is a Nina thing to do, right? Right. Even though Roy just told her not to do that sort of thing, mm-hmm. that maybe she needs to take a step back and not not right. be everyone's savior, right? Because between Nina and Abby, that's what we've got Abby for, right? Right. Yeah. Between Nina and Abby, everybody on the street would be dead by now, <laughs> without right. the two of them. Yeah. Um. And then we we kind of we we planted the seeds for this summer thing a little bit by, um. By having her involved in the Kelly the Chin Asha drugs debacle, although Summer was very vocal and not wanting to take anything to do with that, she'd have a few drinks, but she didn't want anything to do with the with the, the drugs that they were trying to buy off Simon. Right. But you know, these are her friends. But why she's friends with them when they're awful? Right. They they share an age and the the region that they live in, basically. And I think with when it comes to Kelly the Chin, she's kind of following Billy's lead in, in trying to shepherd lost sheep. Mm-hmm. You know, she knows Kelly is vulnerable. She knows Kelly has not had it very easily in her life and everything. So she's kind of, well, if I don't stick up for Kelly, if I don't stay here with Kelly, then Kelly has no one. Yeah, no one else is going to do that. Yeah, and that is something that she's done in the past where right. she's been the, the the one who has she was the one who basically forgave her over the whole party nonsense right. and the, and and the, the whole sharing thing. yeah she'd done that first which we thought was kind of well that's kind of in conflict with your friendship with Asha at the right time. yes and all of this is in conflict with your friendship with Asha who you've been friends with for much much longer than you have Kelly the Chin and right. who you should really be that Ash is the one you should really be sticking up for here. Right. And to see Summer so cowed mm-hmm. by, you know, Kelly just calling her names and stuff. It just. I tell you what, we'd never get that with the old uh, Summer. <laughs> the old Summer wouldn't feel about that shit. No. <laughs> uh, uh, what I wouldn't give for a Scottish lawyer monthly joke right about now. Mm-hmm. So later, the hen do is at the stage where everyone is everyone's best pal, and the stag do is moving on to the rovers. But Roy bails as he has a cafe to open tomorrow. Mm-hmm. That was a nice wee scene with Kev thanking them for coming along. Right? Yeah. Stuff. The whole the whole Roy being, you know, Nina jumping in saying, "Of course, Roy would like to come," and then Roy feeling obligated to go and everything. That was really kind of nice. It was nice to mm-hmm. see Roy kind of interacting <laughs> with people outside of the cafe. He managed to get that moustache on finally, eventually, right. So he's back at the cafe, smiling at a quiche that Nina has left him for his hangover, in inverted commas. When the I police, thought they were cookies. That's what it was, a, like a pie of some nature. Oh. When the police knock at the door, meanwhile the police are also at the bistro telling Abby the bad news. Seb's in the hospital and it's not looking great. Sally drops in at the rovers to grab Kev and then they head up to the hospital. Meanwhile, Kelly the Chin sneaks back into Imran and Toya's, but Toya is sitting up waiting and can smell booze over her eyes swimming in her head. You know what my mum, she hisses. Imran tells her, everything she has, everything that she's done has consequences. We may not be your parents, but it's her job to look after you. And Kelly the Chin apologises and they agree to a clean slate tomorrow. But Imran seems to have a strange look at Kelly that I hope isn't going to become a thing. 
I don't. I don't. Think I hope so. not. The, I, the, I don't think the, the, so. The, the, there will be certainly consequences to that, as far as I'm concerned. If that becomes a thing, yeah, we'll we'll stop doing this and, and start our um on our Emmerdale, Emmerdale, on Emmerdale podcast. <laughs> I mean, we're this close to <laughs> we're this close to it anyway. But anyway, so back at the flat, an anxious ITV. Emmerdale was really good this week. <laughs> Back at the flat, an anxious ITV Corey is on the phone to Kelly the Chin, telling her to wash her clothes and her trainers and don't call again. When Asha comes in, he wants to know where she's been. Pretends that he was worried sitting here for an hour, he says. He's very deliberate to say that. He apologises for earlier and has bought her flowers. She's suspicious when the washing machine starts up, but is easily convinced that this is just ITV Corey learning how to keep a house. Mm. Then Addy goes round to tell Asher the news and ITV Corey pretends that this is a surprise to him and reckons that they'll catch whoever it was that done this. Asher, though, obviously is pretty upset by it all. Mm-hmm. So she's ready to leave to the hospital, but ITV Corey talks her out of it. She has a math exam tomorrow and Nina would want her to take it and she probably won't get in to see her anyway. He goes off to get the hospital number for her so that she can phone and she thanks him and he lets her thank him. For getting the phone number for the hospital. Right. Which she could do right on her own phone. Right. This takes no effort. So Roy at the hospital is taking notes as a nurse explains that Nina has suffered a number of blows to her head and she's in surgery. She's got a bleed on the brain. They'll know more after the surgery, but at the moment she's very poorly. Roy refuses to go home and he wants to see Nina as soon as possible. The nurse has bagged up Nina's jewellery that they had to take off before the um, the surgery and mm-hmm. hands it over to Roy. He's unsure if he's holding on to these on a temporary basis or if she's handing them to him to keep, mm. which I thought was really Oofed. yeah, quite an oofty moment. She doesn't answer, which made it an even more oofty moment yes. and leaves. Abby isn't taking notes. She no. just wants someone to say that Seb is going to be okay. Yes. And the nurse comes close. He has swelling on the brain from the kicking, but he was the one who phoned the ambulance, and so that's a good sign. Mm-hmm. There's something uh, off that they're having to keep an eye on, though, but he's stable and young, and that's all in his favour. And thank God, but Carla's now sitting with Roy, because if I saw Roy sitting in his own in that hospital again, I was going to get on a plane. <laughs> It was, and again, the shot was very beautifully well done of Roy sitting alone in that waiting room. And again, you know, this is something that we can kind of thank COVID for because the waiting room is empty. And for once you see, you know, chairs with the tape Mm -hmm. over them and stuff, which we haven't really seen that aspect of the pandemic very often in the show. And it's just, it's just very beautifully shot i have i have my problems with with things this week but one thing i definitely do not have a problem with is how all of this is shot from kind of like the the scene at the bistro where they're where all the women are dancing and stuff and then the music kind of fades a little bit and then you just you, you know see the police talking to Abby, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, you don't really no, hear what she's saying. Right. Mm-hmm. But we know what she's saying. Oh, obviously, yeah. And we don't really hear an awful lot of what, you know, is said to to Roy either. Mm-hmm. It's just the, the lingering on that, that plate with the hugs and kisses on it. Such a well-shot episode. Mm-hmm. Such a well-shot week. 
Yeah. Whoever's behind the camera and whoever's directing the camera, just give them all the awards that we can't <laughs> give them this year. Right. Yeah, I thought the, the way it was lit as well. Just mm-hmm. him sitting off center. Yes. Sitting to the left and mm-hmm. it just gives a. It makes him seem even smaller and even more alone. The fact that he's not sitting right dead center. That was great. So, yeah, so he's quite forensic as he explains to Carla what's happened. The situation is still somewhat unclear, but Seb and Nina were found unconscious. Seb has grit and a cut on uh, his head, which makes it look like he's landed on his head. Nina has grit on her palm, so she's obviously been able to put her hands out to, to stop her falling. She's covered in bruises, uh, kicked in a ball on the ground, and Carla, who hasn't seen anything, is just sitting in tears, and that was just, yeah. oh my God. Roy says that he promised to look after her, and he's failed. Oh. <clears throat> so Roy is now sitting up by Nina's side And she's in a pretty bad way He talks about the note that she left with hugs and kisses And he was rather taken by that Given how uncomfortable they both are about showing their feelings His thoughts straight his wedding day to Haley. Happy days, he says Haley made him social and he missed that when he lost her He's enjoyed company since But people get fixed and then they leave him He has no family apart from her He begs her forgiveness He will never let her down again Sorry, Carla Yeah <laughs> Because <laughs> uh, Carla will never leave Roy. No, Carla will never leave you, Roy. Don't. Yeah, I, I don't know if it was off, if it was leaving in the sense of right leaving him alone, but leaving the, the flat. cafe and yeah. the flat and all that sort of stuff. Kev is sent with Abby, and they joke a bit about their stag and hen do's being ruined. The wedding will need to be postponed for a couple of days, and so Kev explains that Nina's looking in a really bad way, so let's let's just hold off and wait and see, shall we? Mm-hmm. Abby becomes practical. He needs a toothbrush and jammies. She reminisces about Spider-Man jammies and then breaks down. Everything's normal one minute, and then the next, and then his machine makes a bad noise, and Kev rushes off to get a nurse. Abby's sent out of the room as the crash team arrives. And that takes us to Friday and the next day and Seb is stable but the CT scan has shown something worrying that they're going to have to investigate later, something about his brainstem. Abby asks for the doctor's prayers for Seb and Nina and Kev goes off to cancel all the wedding arrangements and when he's gone, Abby gets a voicemail that Seb left just moments before the attack and she hangs up on it and encourages Seb to wake up. Meanwhile, Roy is still with Nina and her fingers are twitching, which the nurse says is a good sign. In your own time, Nina, says Roy, slow and steady, wins mm-hmm. the race. On the street, Tyrone is helping Kev take care of business when a cheery Billy comes along, <laughs> hiding it well that he wasn't asked to officiate for the wedding. <laughs> Summer's with him, and they're both shocked to the core to learn that Seb and Nina were attacked and are unconscious at the hospital. So Summer bumps into Kelly the chin in Roy's rolls, and Kelly concocts a story that Nina and Seb left after Summer did, and at the slightest pressing for info, Kelly loses her cool, calls Summer Chief Inspector, at which point Craig's ears prick up, and she storms out and leaves a frantic message on ITV Corey's voicemail, despite being told by him yesterday never to phone him. Mm-hmm. So Asha is round at Dev's. They've made up as they discuss the, the senselessness of it all. Life can turn on a sixpence, says Dev, maybe counting his blessings that it wasn't Asha lying up in the hospital bed. Dev goes off to make a crumpet and casually mentions that according to Sally, the attack happened at the industrial park and Asha quickly does the sums in her head. Mm-hmm. So she gets back to the flat and shares information with ITV Corey. He claims that he left shortly after Asha did, so doesn't know anything. Asha wonders if Kelly the Chin or that bowl cut guy knew anything, or maybe were involved. He gives her a hard time for this, for kind of 
shitting on his on her mates, but not really her mates. But anyway, then hurriedly leaves for bread that they don't need. Mm-hmm. The police are at the hospital now. Sally there to keep Abby company, and the policewoman asks questions about motive and enemies that just wind Abby up. Their heads were kicked around like footballs. Nina has the imprint of a trainer on her thigh, which I thought that might prove useful when the subject of drugs comes up. Abby thinks this is all down to her past. She insists that she might be scum, but despite that, Seb is gold. And later, back by his bedside, Abby and Sally talk about Abby's relationship with him and how he saved her life more often than she cares to remember. And then the doc comes in to take Seb away for his tests. Abby asks him to squeeze her hand, but there's nothing. ITV Corey goes to see Kelly the Chin at Toya's. Toya is on her way out to work, presumably, and gives him minor grief about the drinking, but then goes off. Mm-hmm. On their own, ITV Corey asks Kelly the Chin what part of Don't Contact Me she doesn't understand, but compliments her on her contrite expression, and she insists that she really is sad she really is worked mm-hmm. up about this. Right. She promises to keep her mouth shut, but tells him that she's worried that Summer is suspicious. Mm-hmm. So he goes to Roy's Rolls to find Summer, and he tells her that they're both going places, like she's... Going to be she's going to be Prime Minister someday. And he apparently is going to get a, a gig working in the Premier League. Yeah, good luck with that. Right, but only if it never comes out that they were joyriding. Which, and it's you know, stretch. it's a stretch. <sighs> and then, you know, the way he's talking about, well, your, your, your future man dad wouldn't like it. Yeah, he'd have you, a heart attack. Right, yeah. Just totally glossied over <laughs> Billy's... Drug addiction and... Killing somebody. <laughs> right. All this other stuff. Which, to be fair, maybe ITV Corey doesn't know about all of this. But Summer knows. Mm-hmm. Summer knows that, well, Billy will, yes, of course, be disappointed in her for getting in a car that was stolen and drinking. He's not going to throw her out or condemn her or anything. She's reasonably good at the forgiveness thing. He really is. Apart it's, from it's part, recently. Uh, right, yeah. She's not Paul. <laughs> keep, so, qu- uh, keep quiet, he says. Yeah, and she seems to agree with him. Right. And that really made me disappointed in Summer. Mm-hmm. Uh, not that I wasn't already disappointed in Summer. <laughs> the old Summer. I don't know, the old Summer would have... Yeah, the had, old Summer would have... Would have had ITV Corey's eyes out. clock. Right. Back at Toya's, she's gently grilling Kelly the Chin for her thoughts on the whole Nina and Seb thing and what does ITV Corey think? But Kelly the Chin says that they don't talk about it, they don't know anything, so why would they? Mm-hmm. And she hurries off to her room. Roy is with Nina. The nurse told him that she can hear him, so he says he intends to prattle. To wit, some parish notices. And he <laughs> explains how Shona and Bernie are looking after the cafe. And Nina was right about Bernie being a complex character. Mm-hmm. Apparently Bernie thinks that Roy doesn't hold grudges, but he recalls March 14th last year when Dev <laughs> called him a big, big girl's blouse and Nina dropped his sausage as way of revenge. The loyalty touched Roy and he reveals how proud he is when she calls him uncle and how irritated when she calls him Roymond. <laughs> but he would be relieved to hear her call him that now. And at that, she begins to wake up. Yeah, that was that was really nice. Un- just and the, again, it was really well shot. Yeah, and I think the lines that have been written for Roy this week, particularly, he's been given a few monologues, mm-hmm. and every single one of them has has had me cry. Oh, <laughs> it's like this one. This one was no different. Yeah. This one about the when she's when he's talking about how proud he is, just. That's, yeah. that's that's all it takes to set just, me off. Yeah, <laughs> just to be her uncle. Right. It's very sweet. 
So Abby hears that Nina's awake, so comes in to see her. Nina wants to see Seb and is upset to learn that he's still unconscious. Abby asks what happened, so Nina explains that they were walking home and they ran into ITV Corey and his mates, but she can't remember anything else. Abby has heard all she needs and then she leaves, Roy advising her that no good can come from any confrontation. Yes. Asha's waiting outside the flats when ITV Corey comes back, claiming to have been at a mate's. When Abby descends, Nina's woken up and the last thing that she saw was him. He plays it cool, wishes that he had information, but Abby's not falling for it. Mm-hmm. Spill your guts while you've still got teeth in your fucking mouth, she says. And he says that he always got on well with Nina, that he liked Nina. Huh. And Seb, he didn't know very well, but thinks that he was sound. If he knew anything, he would say, and he and Asha leave. <laughs> At the hospital, Nina's concerned about Abby. It's meant to be her special day after all, and Seb had, had his speech written and everything, and now it's all ruined. Roy tells her to focus on getting better, but she wants to see Seb, and she can tell by Roy's silence that he's not telling her everything. Back inside, Asha wonders why ITV Corey lied about linking Nina. He didn't think it was time to get stuck into Abby's son's girlfriend. And she probably is okay, but he knows that she hates him, is jealous of him and Asha. And he insists he had nothing to do with the attack, but if the police come knocking, best to say I was with you, right? Yeah, Nina's jealous. Mm -hmm. Nina's jealous of him and Asha. Yeah, even though she's very happy with Seb. Mm -hmm. So, but if anyone says anything, I was with you, right? He says, well... Waving red flags as yeah. close as they can to Asha's face without right. actually touching Asha's face. Right. Yeah. <sighs> Good luck getting Amy to agree with that. Oh, mm-hmm. wait. Oh. We seem to have forgotten that Asha was with Amy all night. Mm-hmm. Does I, he know that? He doesn't he know doesn't that. He doesn't know that. No. Although she said. Because he was waiting for her to come back. Right. She just said she was out. She said she was at a mate's, was it? Yeah. She know. doesn't specify Amy. They're leaving to get food when Mary catches up with Asha and wants to work with her away from ITV Corey because Mary's got the measure of this guy. Yes, she does. He loses his temper at this, saying that he had nothing to do with any of it and he was at home with Asha watching Tenant all last night. Asha confirms this but can't look Mary in the eye. Tenant's only a two-hour movie, isn't it? Oh, was it? I don't know. I don't think I've seen it. No, we haven't seen it. Because it's not free. <laughs> the, the police officer is questioning Nina. Bits of it come back to her, but she remembers ITV Corey and Kelly the Chin and them laughing, and ITV Corey being in her face, and then someone slapped her. But it wasn't ITV Corey, but he was there, and then she gets upset because she can't remember anymore. She feels stupid. She needs to remember. She needs to do this for Seb. Abby's back at the hospital telling Kev that ITV Corey knows something. The doctor comes in and tells them that the brainstem got a response, but it's not clear if Seb is breathing on his own, so they'll have to do it again. Abby chooses to take this as a positive uh, bit of news and she goes through to see him. And as she sits with him and talks to him about when he was a baby and how uh, she couldn't stop looking at his blue Smarties eyes. But as he got older and chubbier, the Smarties turned to chocolate buttons and she looked at them less. She asks him to open them now, but he doesn't. The ITV Corey has had the nerve to take Asha to Roy's Rolls. <laughs> oh, fucking hell. She's already feeling bad for lying to Mary, but he says that he needs backup and she needs to tell people that he's a big softy. No one knows him like her. He loves her. She says that she loves him too, but then immediately leaves, saying that she's going to see Addy. And when she leaves, it seems obvious that she's not she sure. She knows right. that something's off here. Right. I thought she was going to throw up. She looked like she was going to throw up. Yeah. She's breathing heavily. She's obviously having some sort of panic attack. Mm-hmm. And you kind of think at that point that it's all over right. for ITV Corey. That's exactly what I thought. 
In the hospital, Roy has fallen asleep and shits himself when he wakes up and sees Asha standing in front of him. She says ITV Corey didn't do any of this, and they all think that he did. Roy is surprised that she seems to care so little for Nina. Asha lies and says ITV Corey was with her. Nina wakes up and asks for a moment alone with Asha. Asha again insists that she was with ITV Corey, but Nina knows he was there and knows when Asha is lying. And by the way, thanks for asking after Seb, which she didn't do. Right. You have no idea what ITV Corey is capable of, says right. Nina. Yeah. Yeah. Back at the flat, ITV Corey is playing video games. Asha comes in. She wants to tell the truth about her not being there. She admits that she went to see Nina and she looks awful. She can barely move. ITV Corey thinks that she prob- she's probably doped up and having a great old time. She wants to know... <laughs> she's like, no, like, she's really not having a great old time. She wants to know where he really was and he flies off the handle, screams at her for being so fucking stupid for letting Nina manipulate her. She's terrified, so he quickly calms down, says that she's the only one that he can rely on and she tells him that she covered for him. Later, she's making dinner while he's stretched out on the couch, laughing at the TV and again, she looks at him like she knows. That's interesting what levels of abuse and, and coercion and... Uh, exploitation she's willing to call young love yeah Abby is doing Kev's tits in by talking about Seb like he's going to get out tomorrow then the doc comes out and asks them to sit down which they don't do Seb has failed the brainstem tests his brain isn't sending messages to his body or his organs and so his body has shut down and his heart has stopped and he's died Abby falls to the ground just broken and at some point... Which we don't like to see. No. And again, this was something that maybe wasn't that great about the COVID because she's just kind of left crying there on her own. And the camera's kind of close in on her, so mm-hmm. it doesn't seem obvious, but you're like, oh, fuck's sake, will someone just give her a hug? Mm-hmm. And at some point, Kev phones uh, Eileen, so we can assume now that the whole street knows. And Roy goes to see Nina, and he says, I'm so sorry, and then he doesn't have to say anything else. And again, this is this is really well done where... You know, there's there's kind of just like a, again, it's very silent. It's very quiet. Mm-hmm. It's very quiet. Um, Nina, Nina's reaction mm-hmm. to what Roy is saying. We're not, we don't really hear what Roy is saying, but we see Nina's reaction. We don't hear what Kev has said to Eileen on the phone, right. but we, we see her reaction. Right. You know, we, we see Abby, we, we see... Seb's body mm-hmm. without all of the wires and ventilators and, and everything. Right. All of that's been taken off and it's just his body lying there and again just really, really well shot and a, a great way to use very little to convey so much. Mm-hmm. So Abby goes in to see Seb, like you said, all the tubes are gone, all the tape. She holds his hand and breaks her heart. She says that she's sorry that she didn't protect him. And that is how we end this week's episodes I also have to say well done to the show and to the cast and everything because typically when somebody's leaving the show we know about it before it happens (laughs) right we had no idea this we had no idea you know there was like lots of speculation is Nina gonna die is Seb gonna die are they both gonna be okay what's gonna happen there Mm -hmm. And none of that, except for, you know, 10, 15 minutes after the show, before it had dropped on BritBox, was not spoiled. 
<laughs> right, you you knew it before I did, and I didn't know it, and so I just didn't right. look at because anything. I had taken a nap, and then I woke up from my nap, and before I watched the show, I was just I was on Twitter to look for. I think I was looking for information about the Chinese rocket. You know, just <laughs> make sure. It's did not. they did they do they know where it's going to land or something? Or I had said something. I I'd, I'd been on a Twitter feed talking about monsters in media and media and made a comment about man thing and and so i was looking to see you know read a response for that and then it just there it was and i was like oh pig's tits but right. again you know typically we know when somebody's leaving the show before they leave and this was this was very well kept under wraps yeah like i said i, I didn't i stayed off it after i saw your reaction and you didn't tell me what happened mm-hmm. I kind of suspected that it wasn't looking great for him based on everything that had been said between him and Abby. And him and Nina. Right, everything seemed to have... We've got all the time in the world. ...unnecessary import to it. Right, right? yeah. And they don't show that for no reason. They don't write mm-hmm. that for re- for no reason. So I kind of suspected that things were probably looking pretty grim for him. I didn't expect it to happen on Friday. It really took my breath away that... Right. Holy shit, they're killing him off. He's dead. Right. And then and the minute that it's off... And it's done. And I go onto Twitter. The first thing I see is uh, the little clip uh-huh. that they've done of him now off the show, right. thanking everybody for right. all the support. And he's mm-hmm. as cheery as get out. And right, I'm sitting yeah. there thinking, I've just watched you, <laughs> you fucking die. die. <laughs> we just watched you die. You maybe not oh, smile so much. I felt kind of, I felt kind of awful and uneasy mm-hmm. and. Uh, and anxious and uh, off really the entire week. Yeah. And I think it's I think it's Corey's fault. Yeah, it or, is. Or Corey is the reason for feeling kind right. of this. Just, uh, just had this feeling in my gut all week. Yeah. That just hasn't gone away. No. And it still hasn't really gone away. No. But it's it's better mm. than it was kind of. Before Monday, and yeah, before you Friday. and I had a had an interesting conversation last night about how how media how media manipulates us mm-hmm. in certain ways, and is it a good thing or is it a bad thing? And there are some things, there's some movies and TV shows and things that you walk in to with expectations of how they're going to make you feel. Mm-hmm. You know, you go to a horror movie to get scared. Right. You go to a comedy to laugh. You know, and how, you know, soap operas in general are kind of, kind of a gray area because they can make you feel one thing at one point and something completely different the next point. Because the same there's episode, not, yeah. you know, there's not, there's not a clear definition for what they are. There's not a clear enough definition for what they are where you can sit and have your expectations met and not feel manipulated in some way to feel something you don't want to feel at that moment. Mm-hmm. And all all credit to to Molly and and um and Harry um for for having such great chemistry because if they didn't have any chemistry if they didn't have the really great chemistry that we saw blossom for the past couple of weeks wouldn't have worked. If this was Craig and Faye, this would not have worked. <laughs> right. You know, so just very quickly, we cared about this relationship. We already loved Nina. Mm-hmm. 
Nina made us care about Seb. Mm-hmm. And I think the show in, in setting that up uh, just was really smart in, in having Seb be the one to die. Right. And for us to care so much about Nina that our, our love of Nina kind of washes over. Yeah, it was a kind of vicarious on, love onto Seb. for Seb. Absolutely. Because again, if this had been Seb and Faye, I don't think we yeah. would have cared so no. much. Because again, their chemistry wasn't really great either. And they were kind of just mopey teenagers when they were together. But then I kind of feel like we're being robbed of... A really great... Of, of future joy. <laughs> right. Yeah. And, you know, as we kind of talked about in the whole Peter's liver thing, the show hasn't been giving us very much joy. No, so this was something to hang on to and look forward to. Right. And amongst all the kind of heavy, depressing, dark stuff, there was a bit of light. Right. And then we had this light of Abby and Kev's wedding, and we've had that pulled from us as well. Yep. You know, there's been a lot of criticism of the show out there about how heavy and how dark it's gotten. And while, while I, while I think it's, it's good for the show to have these heavy moments, while I think it's good for the show not to be goofy comedy hour all of the time, I do have to agree that it's, it's not doing the storylines or the show any good to just be constantly beating us up with these dark storylines without having a breather in between them to have the whole drugs and liver thing and this attack story all in one week with no joy. It, it reduces the impact of, of everything I would have, of, the show really needs to find a better balance between happy storylines. Right. Because yeah. even even if we hadn't all been dealing with a pandemic for the past year and a half, I don't think that this would be easygoing. And with everyone just being so knocked down by the pandemic in one way or another, it just makes it worse. Yeah, I, I mean, I think, I think you're absolutely right. And the old adage of, you know, you, you have to experience sadness to understand joy, kind of works both ways, right? Right. So you have absolutely. to you have to have joy to understand sadness. Right. So to have a show that, okay, it's an exceptional week, but on Monday there was nothing really much in the way to offset that. There no. wasn't a, there wasn't an awful lot of like, like in the moment, mm-hmm. and this this isn't the best example, but it's a current example. That at the moment in classic Corey, you have dark things that are happening. You have uh, Steve's pushed his dad off scaffolding on a building site, and it looks mm-hmm. like he's going to die. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, it doesn't. <laughs> but you have that. But at the same moment, you've got Jack who is undergoing hypnotherapy so he can stop smoking mm-hmm. and has come out of it pretending to be a pirate. <laughs> And that's been allowed to go on for four days. Right. Which gives you that contrast, mm-hmm. which gives you something that is, it's a little bit unbelievable. Mm-hmm. It's a little bit ridiculous, but it's funny. 
Right. And it's funny watching other characters respond to Jack being an asshole. Right. Like his wife, who's believing it, and everybody uh-huh. else who isn't. Right. That creates comedy. Yes. And we don't have that thing as a contrast very much. We really don't. And we haven't had it very much over over the, the past a couple of years, maybe. Yeah. That what what we have been getting is little glimpses of something that's happy and something that's funny, and mm-hmm. we, we we grab onto it and we we um we cover it and mm-hmm. we try and protect it because it's what's making us smile because something has to make us smile right. during all this. It's it's like you know to one bit of goofiness we've had in the past few years is is Gemma giving birth, you know, up in the sky. And that's kind of funny and goofy and of, oh, of course this was, is what's going to happen to Gemma. But then immediately afterwards, one of the babies might die. <laughs> you know? Right. And it's deaf. Yes. Yeah. So, and this week we had this, these really beautiful moments where Abby and Seb come together, you know, and it seems like they've really healed their relationship. And then you have poor Abby who has had been just knocked down her whole life finally having a moment of joy with her friends and to relax and just forget all of that and just push it all out Mm -hmm. and then immediately have that taken away from her right and in in accompanying that it's taken away from us as well the show there are many things the show needs to do better and this is one of them it's like the old uh, misery memoir. Yeah. At times of financial prosperity and and good times, mm-hmm. you know, like uh, late nineties, I think early mm-hmm. noughts is kind of cast up before the the financial crash. Right. It was a boom time for the misery memoir. Uh-huh. You know, people who are feeling generally happy are. are are more likely to find something that's a bit depressing right. acceptable right. and something that they want to seek out because mm-hmm. they have that. They're, they're kind of high, so something that's a bit down brings mm-hmm. them. At these times where for most people there isn't that financial uh, prosperity, right. we're living in a pandemic times, the world mm-hmm. is becoming more and more divided. Mm-hmm. What, what, I, what I think I want yeah. and what I think... What most people would want is something to to be a distraction from that and to, right. be, a, and to be a lift from that and it's something that is more positive. Right. So you see the opposite of that. During a time when we're... It's a kind of downtime anyway. Right. just makes it feel just so much more harsh. Like, like you said before, it makes it really difficult to watch and to enjoy and, you know, it makes me put it off until the very last moment right you know before before watching and everything and i don't feel like we can possibly be alone in this no feeling and and the show by by doing this there's there's a tone deafness to the show in being so heavy in a time when the world is so heavy there's also a tone deafness in the show in seeming this 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 storyline was good and again as i said you know it was shot beautifully it was acted beautifully there's so much 
that was well done about the storyline. Mm-hmm. One thing that was not really well done about the storyline and one thing that made me very uncomfortable about the storyline is the way that it was marketed and the way, you know, some of the producers and everything were talking about it, how, you know, this storyline is relevant to our day and age and throwing around the term hate crime Mm. and, uh, and stuff and talking about how oppressed some, some cultures are and everything. And I know I'm not alone in this because I've talked to you about it. I've talked to other lovers of the show about it. Other people who are critics of the show in kind of the same way we are. And it's just to have to be throwing around the term hate crime about about what happened to Seb and Nina in a time where, you know, this this the marketing and the buildup of this was around the time of uh, the, the George Floyd um, court case, you know, with mm-hmm. Derek Chauvin finally getting found guilty and everything and and so much like monday i was i was on twitter and you know and thinking about the storyline and saw a tweet from a a japanese american woman who was jogging in the park and a man just out of nowhere just spit Mm. on her Mm. as she was jogging and how it shocked her so much and at that point, she hadn't even contacted the police, but people on Twitter were like, you, you need to contact the police about this. This is, this, is, this is not okay. And she came back later and she said that she had talked to the police. She did file a report, but because she didn't hear what the man had said to her, the police could file it as an assault, mm-hmm. but they couldn't file it as a hate crime because, she, because they couldn't hear what she said and that's it's frustrating because things like that are very blatantly hate crimes right. against you know mm-hmm. against a, a community and a race that has taken undeserved heat in the assumption that they are responsible for for the pandemic right. you know and it just the show if the show had been if the show had been consistently better about race which it hasn't been, which we have criticized it before and other people have criticized it before, saying the Baileys are underused. Whenever anything racist happens to them, it happens with a character that we never see again. Grace's awful storyline where she is locked traumatically in that office and everything. We see that security guard go to the hospital and apologize to her. We never see him get his comeuppance. We mm-hmm. never see anything. And then we don't even see Grace. Right. Grace has completely disappeared from the show, even though she's got to go home and take a shower every once in a while. Right. right? And yet we haven't even seen her in the show with all of the stuff going on with the everything. ITV Stefan with his, his comment last week about, well, as long as Corey gets what he needs, it really felt... And I may be wrong about this, but it really felt like whoever wrote those words for him was leaning heavily on and, uh, the misogyny of the comment without without even taking any notice on how a certain part of the population 
would take that comment as being horribly racist when you think about how Asian women have been used by white men in the past um, in a really colonialist way with, you know, comfort women in, in Vietnam and India and, and Korea and stuff. And we've had two coercion stories, coercive relationship stories in the past two years, both of them involving a white man and a woman of Asian descent. Mm-hmm. And it's really, it really makes me uncomfortable because, you know, there's a stereotype of the submissive Asian woman and it's just, it feels like it's, it's really leaning into a stereotype of what Asian women are without really noticing that that's what they're doing. It, it feels like the show is very diverse in front of the camera and what Corey needs to do if it's, if it's going to stay up to date with other with other forms of media who have seemingly done better when it comes to this is it's got to be more diverse behind the camera. It needs to be more diverse in the writer's room, a very white writer's room. You know, there have been times that I've heard things coming out of the black and Asian people on the show saying, that that doesn't really sound like something a black or Asian person would say, you know, the, the, there needs to be more diversity in the production crew and everything. And, you know, I really don't want to take anything away from the storyline and how great everybody has been in it, but it's just, it makes it more glaring how they've, they seem to be wanting to make it relevant using a subculture that evolved in the eighties and trying to create a false equivalence to people who have for centuries been beaten down because of race and colonialism and slavery. And it's just, it, 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 that also kind of took away some of my, I don't want to say enjoyment of this story, but appreciation of the story. Right. <laughs> moment of the week <laughs> <laughs> no I, I, the, the term hate crime has confused me as well I think I think especially hate crime with a capital H and a capital C right which doesn't involve uh, race uh, or race ethnicity gender identity um, well, and not sexuality even, yeah it's it's interesting and you know I uh, I was doing an awful lot of research for the show um, because of this. And it was really interesting to me here in America, the FBI defines hate crime as um, gender identity, sexual orientation, gender, Mm -hmm. um, ethnicity, race. Yeah. Protected classes. And, and, and disability. Right. Um, And in the UK, the, it's the same, except in the UK, gender and ethnicity aren't protected, which I find I find very interesting. And, you know, the fact of the matter is, is the show very easily could have amongst all of the stuff of, oh, look, she looks weird comments. Corey could have very easily called her a slur for 
a member of the LGBTQIA community. And then that would have been a capital H, capital C, right. you know, because that's why Corey hates her. Corey doesn't hate her because of her. Oh, he doesn't hate her because she's a goth. He, yeah. he hates her because of the relationship that she had with Asha. Right. And the and fact be- that she doesn't kowtow to him. Right. And- because she's a woman who doesn't, you know, bend over backwards to make him happy. Right. You know, and it, it feels like we lose something when we don't acknowledge that. Right. And as someone who has been a victim of a hate crime, I found that a little weird. I was punched in the face for being gay when I'm not gay. But the person who punched me in the face didn't know that. I I had, I, I don't, I have a disability um, that I have grown out of, but when I was in school, I was constantly bullied and berated and almost had my arm broken by a girl because of it and had lunch in the bathroom because I was terrified of my schoolmates. I had, um, I'd split up with my girlfriend. I was being comforted by my friend outside a pub whilst drunk. I can't remember if Ian had come out at that point or not. Mm-hmm. I don't think he had. I might be wrong. But, but somebody walked by, two guys walked by, mm-hmm. saw this, thought that we were boyfriends, mm-hmm. and punched me in the face. Didn't mm-hmm. punch you in the face, who turned out to be gay. Right. Punch me in the face. It's always me that gets punched in the face. But I think what we saw that is hate involved, mm-hmm. but it's it's not it's not those protected, right? It's not those protected classes, and that makes it slightly different, and that makes the the view of that a little different as well, right? But, and, but yeah, moment and, moment of the week, <laughs> and you know, um, sorry, I've you know, I know I come from this. And I know people will probably criticize me for this, that I'm coming from this from an American perspective and, you know, the perception of Americans and of the world probably is that we are the ones who have this huge race problem, that this is more or less an American problem. But, you know, I mentioned George Floyd earlier at that kind of, the kind of chokehold that killed George Floyd is still is still a sanctioned use of restraint by the UK police and five men in the UK, five black men in the UK were killed by the police in this way in 2017. So it's, I think it's, it's time to kind of, you know, and there is media out there that really does put an hourglass or not an hourglass, a magnifying glass to it. You know, if, if you haven't watched small acts, you should watch small acts and, really get an idea of what people in the uh, people black people in the UK have gone through um and it's just it's i think it's time that media more media steps up to acknowledge that moment of the week <laughs> it's a this has been a weird one to do. I haven't been looking forward to this. No, I. I'm, I'm glad we're kind of done. <laughs> I haven't. I haven't either. And again, you know, I really wanted to do my research, and also talk to other people to say, am Am I wrong about this? Does this kind of feel off to you as well? And to kind of get confirmation. And and you and I have been talking an awful lot. 
about this this week. So, um, and not always agreeing. No, no, absolutely. Uh, but yeah, moment of the week. Moment of the week. <laughs> I I think it's, I think it's Seb and Abby. Seb giving her the necklace, and I I really want to give it. I want to give it to Seb in we something. Should have given it to Seb last week. Is what should have harmed. I really want to give it to Seb in a, in a scene where he was an active participant, as opposed to just lying in the hospital bed. Oh yeah, and absolutely. I know we will be giving moment of the week to Roy and Nina over and over and over again ad infinitum, mm-hmm. forever and ever, amen. So I just. We've seen Abby and Seb's relationship evolve so much over the past couple of years. Right. And this this really felt like a really good touching end point. He was going to adopt the twins, which was a terrible idea. Right. And then stopping them going to Australia. Blamed her mm, for everything and So to get to this point. Yeah. It was really beautiful. It was poignant enough at Mm -hmm. that at that moment right. when I didn't know well that I knew that he was going, going to get die. beaten up but I didn't know he was going to die so it was it's a poignant moment mm-hmm. and I know that she's a fictitious character but right. you'd, you'd like to think that this will be something that gives her some comfort mm-hmm. at some point yes. not next week or next month but at some point mm-hmm. that's our moment of the week our moment of the week your boring moment of the week <sighs> Tyrone and Alina getting their hole. Ah, see, I think it was day that's of turning up as a reindeer. Cringy. No, because that's funny. That's funny. I liked that. Tyrone postponing a sandwich. Right. I'd be, like, excited that his sandwich was still there afterwards. Right. Just the, Alina and Tyrone in general. No wonder she was thinking <laughs> kind of about something else. cringy moment of the week, but it's also our... Boring moment of the week. Boring moment of the week. Oh, I think we're buying our own coffees next week. <laughs> <laughs> so, are you Bonnie Tyler? Do you smoke 40 Bensons a day? You get patches these days, you know. We're the talk of the street at gmail.com and we're at Cory Podcast on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. You can shout me and Helen a coffee by heading to ko-fi.com slash the talk of the street. Check out the clicky clicky section of voggle.co.uk for links to our merch store and YouTube channel and if you're so inclined, please leave a rating and a review on the iTunes or on your podcast provider of choice. Thanks for making it to the end of another episode and we will be back next week with more uh, Talk of the Street! Emmerdale podcast. <laughs> uh, talk of the Street. <laughs> Bye. Talk of the Emmerdale.